Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Wow. Nice. Yeah. What you're hearing are the sounds of people everywhere putting on Bomba socks, underwear, and T-shirts made from absurdly soft materials that feel like plush clouds. Yeah, that plush. And the best part? For every item you purchase, Bombas donates another to someone facing homelessness. Bombas. Big comfort for everyone. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST. Code ACAST. The following is a presentation of the Four Center podcast feed. From the center of the galaxy, this is the Four Center podcast feed, and this particular episode of the Four Center podcast feed is the Clone Wars Report. <laughs> and the royalty, the Duke and Duchess of the Clone War Report, coming in now every week. If you're tuning in for the first time, every week uh, I announce the Clone Wars Report in old kind of newsy fashion and Ken provides some sort of musical news fanfare, and it's a delightful surprise. We certainly don't discuss ahead of time <laughs> what it is. I took many years of improv to come up with that joke. So, yes. I think it's great. I think it's great. Anyway, as you can probably tell, I'm Joseph Scrimshaw, and this is... Ken Epsuk. 
And we are here to discuss uh, a great episode. Oh, oh, I spoiled it. I like this episode. A great episode of the Clone Wars animated series. Uh, we are discussing all of them in chronological order. Uh, we're trying to di- to uh, watch uh, or rather kind of discuss each individual story. So sometimes that means an episode. Sometimes it means three or four episodes together. We're in the middle of this fascinating arc where there's a new Gunray thread uh, going through it. But each individual episode is kind of its own episode. Mm-hmm. Featuring different major characters. So the episode we're discussing today is Cloak of Darkness. It is from season one. It is episode nine and is written by Paul Dini, uh, who will be familiar to people who like Batman, Batman animated series. And he uh, also writes some very significant moments, significant moments of dialogue in the Clone Wars report. He is responsible for the great Obi-Wan description, a collection of uh, half-truths and hyperboles known as Obi-Wan Kenobi. So uh, interesting to note uh, that he is the writer of this episode. Uh, Ken, are you ready for the summary? I am ready for the summary. Okay, here's our summary of Cloak of Darkness. Uh, Previously, Padme and Jar Jar captured war criminal Newt Gunray. Now he's being transported and interrogated by Jedi Master Luminara Onduli and Padawan Ahsoka Tano aboard the ironically named Jedi cruiser Tranquility. (laughs) But Dooku sends Asajj Ventress to free Gunray before he can spill the Separatist tea. Luminara and Ahsoka struggle to get on the same page, and there's a traitor aboard, all of which leads to action, fun, disaster, and lessons. (laughs) Always lessons. Always lessons. Uh, Boy, do I love that the Jedi Cruiser is called Tranquility, because that's just such a... It's just a little sub-theme running through Star Wars that... uh, all of the Imperial and First Order ships are clearly named from a propaganda perspective that strength and domination are good, right? I mean, you got like Avenger and Inflictor and Supremacy. <laughs> I love that there was a moment when the clone was really starting up. I'm like, we're, we're bringing all these uh, ships online for our war. Uh, hey, Jedi, what should they be named? Tranquility, Flower, Repose. <laughs> Hey, it's all the themes go down to the base micro level. I love it. Yeah, they really do. Uh, the moral of this episode is ignore your instincts at your peril. Let's jump mm-hmm. into that. Did you like this moral? What did you get out of it from a Star Wars perspective or for yourself, a real life perspective? Yeah, we always do uh, do that, right? Yeah, I I love so I, I really liked this theme when it popped up. I went because, you know, this memory is in my a memory of this episode is 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 floating around in my brain. I was like, eh, okay, yeah, 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 let's see where this goes. And and I love where it ends up, but it kind of starts off. It almost confused me because you got kind of unduly kind of talking to Ahsoka up top about you know the way it is or the way you know instincts. And it's like that's it's a lesson for unduly. This episode's more about her learning something, right? And and Ahsoka is still kind of uh, fresh to this game and brings that, brings that perspective. So I don't know, just trying to apply it to this episode. What it, it leaves this like, uh, our guys has some instincts, <laughs> <You know? laughs> and I so I, I I you know the reason reason I'm kind of struggling is like what what is the lesson here and and I think I have it I think it's it's instincts versus your training or 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 a feeling uh, hey there's that thing again a feeling versus what you think you know and and the willing willingness to go against things that don't seem right or again your beliefs and the instincts leading that direction like it's this big kind of 
big kind of uh, you know you know theme here, but on on a base level, you're kind of you could kind of parse it out and be like, well, you know. Darth Vader had some instincts, Palpatine, <laughs> you know what I mean? Which is not necessarily what they're trying to do in these episodes. Anyways, all that rumbling, bumbling, stumbling of my words is just because like it, it is right for the get go. It's like interesting take on this. Where does it go and how do I follow it? Yeah, I think there's like it reflects a great tension in Star Wars where I think Lucas, you know, it says uh, lots of different things about Star Wars. But two things that I think have a fun tension that are represented by what you're saying is he wants it to be this story of good and evil for uh, 12-year-olds as they're mm-hmm. uh, beginning their journey. So you look at something like Clone Wars that's as, as explicit is it's, uh, you know, in theory targeted at kids and it begins with a message. This is what you should do. Uh, but Lucas is also interested in really looking at the ambiguity and the moral complexity. And like, even though we know this is the right path, that path can be really hard to follow. And I feel like for this episode, it sets the viewer up in a really interesting way. Because like, oh, Ignore your instincts at your peril. That's, you know, instincts being valued is a very consistent message in Star Wars. Yeah. Going back to targeting computer versus use the force, you know, listen to your feelings. That's a very standard Star Wars thing. But then you get into that episode and then I feel like it it sets you up to go like, oh, but the mm-hmm. the actual moral, the way it's presented in the episode mm-hmm. is not as clear cut as the moral at the beginning of the episode. Yes. Uh, yes, and and then there you go because there's some interesting conversation between uh, was agree and our our Gaius later on, where our Gaius has he's saying some things that later on we might consider true or you know hey that was insightful but he's it's wrapped up in such a bad package for him right so I, I get it. I'm not saying like uh, he, he was he was right but just like and I love that and I love this is my point being is I love this I love that some of these Clone Wars episodes the moral is be good and you're like that's that's good that's great. I get it. And this one's like, we all have instincts. We all have instincts. So sometimes they lead you the wrong way, though. Sometimes yeah. it's a mistake. And anyways, yeah. So I love what you said there. Yeah, it, it, it definitely is different and bigger and bolder by the end of the episode. Yeah. What I'm really feeling by hearing you say it is I think maybe uh, the kind of pure moral that we think is really fits uh, standard Star Wars storytelling is, um, you know, uh, would maybe be... Uh, you know well i'm trying to think of the way i want to say this sure uh this isn't follow uh you know don't follow your instincts at your peril kind of thing it, it, it's not just encouraging you to follow your instincts it's saying you know you're in trouble if you ignore them which actually does leave it open to be interpreted as it's not encouraging you to always follow your instincts <laughs> so it could right. be saying hey ahsoka when you had that good instinct that uh luminar is going to die unless you help her hey that's great follow that instinct Hey, Argaius, when you had that instinct to betray everyone you know uh, out of greed, don't ignore that instinct. <laughs> Deal with yeah. it. Because if you follow it, you're going to die. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So there, I think there's that interesting complexity between uh, encouraging people to be aware of their instincts, good or bad, versus encouraging people to follow them regardless. Yeah. That use of the word ignore. You're right. Very, very big and very important. Yes. Um, okay. Yeah. And, yeah, and I realize that we might be parsing this more than uh, some the people who wrote it, but that is the beauty of art. Uh, yeah, I think for me, the I hadn't really thought about it uh, how, how great of tension it has between the, the how direct the message is versus how complex the message is in the episode. So I, I think that's really great that you framed it that way. But I did think of it in terms of my own like real world reaction to it, 
is I think the fascinating thing about following instincts is I watch something like Star Wars, the targeting computer versus trust your feelings, and it feels so right. Uh, But then when I really think about my own instincts, sometimes I can trust my instincts because it is something deep down and intuitive just going, you know, ignore all the noise, ignore all the baggage, you know what's right, follow that direction. Other times, what can feel very much like that instinct is fear. It is saying, don't go over there because that's bad. You know, and it's, mm. so, and yeah. I think a, a challenge that I have as a human, and, and I assume that I'm not alone in this, is that pure intuitive instincts leading you towards your best version of yourself can sometimes uh, be hard to discern from that little voice in your head that holds itself, your, yourself back out of fear don't try you will fail yeah <laughs> right yeah. or just like don't go you know don't get involved in that fight it's very dangerous over there and like yeah yeah that's that's true and that's good to know <laughs> mm-hmm. but you know yeah no totally yeah no no I, and yeah and, that, and that's right away this 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 flashes up on the screen and all these thoughts come rushing in and and maybe maybe yeah maybe the writers were just like yeah it's pretty simple but that's that's the, i think the fun of star wars too of just well, once you're rolling around in it you can play around with what it means. Yeah. So uh, let's roll around in this episode a bit. What was your overall reaction? Do you love it, like it, struggle with it? Where does it rate for you? I mean, I'll say this. I like it plus. You, I know you, you, you're really positive. I, I absolutely love this episode. It was one of those, the moment, you know, it pops up like, oh, yeah, yeah, right, right, right. We're yep, the Senate commando and I, I, I remember this. And so therefore it made an impression on me. I, I really so I really like it. I think there's some great things in here, some great action, uh, an underrated lightsaber fight where we're absolutely going to talk about. Um, and I think Luminara Unduli is an underrated Jedi, and this is the first big spotlight on her, right? In, in the mm-hmm. series. Um, so there's there's a lot of things I just absolutely love about this episode, it, but it's not one that's going to be on a rewatch list. If I'm being honest, and, and I don't honestly don't know why. I just think it's smaller, but I mean, but it's not because it's new new Gunray. <laughs> So tied <laughs> into everything, uh, but so yeah, like it plus me. It's a it's a good uh, it's a good uh, uh, episode that uh, I'm like cool. I experienced that, and I might skip it going forward. Which you know sounds negative. It's not. Yeah, no, I think that's great. I, I'll I'll go along with like it plus. I think what I'm really uh, positive. Of, uh, well, I just I, I have very few qualms with the episode. I really really mm-hmm. enjoy it. I think it's a great yeah. episode, but I'm fascinated with it. So uh, you know, like it plus fascinated. <laughs> uh, yeah, because for me, I think that the dialogue really pops. I think you can you can tell that there's a different voice with uh, Paul Denny, and a lot of it's like uh, very specific and very flavorful. Um, there aren't a lot of generic lines. It's all very. Uh, you know, flavorful and from a character's perspective, even Newt Gunray's whining, even though it's perfectly fits in his character, there's that little extra edge to it that is making it clear that the things he says are, are meant to be kind of pathetic, how much he thinks he can buy off everyone and how much he can just kind of throw up like, yeah, I did some war crimes, but it's not fair that you arrested me. That's outrageous, you know? Right. Um, and I, I like this weird structure uh, that I kind of forgot about that. It is the, the Newt Gunray arc, but it doesn't feel that way. Cause he's, the thing mm-hmm. kind of uh, causing the through line that highlights different characters. Um, so this story is totally its own. That it has its own entirely separate ideas and themes from the, you know, Bombad Jedi episode we just talked about. Oh, yeah. uh, but I think the big thing is this is the episode I was kind of waiting for and kind of wondering where it fell in the Clone Wars. And that is a big tonal shift this episode is a massive tonal shift where a lot of the things that we've been following 
uh, aren't there. There, there's no kind of broad, wacky humor. Uh, there are no farts. There's not a B1 battle droid uh, to be seen, and much less any sort of B1 battle droid comedy that we've been talking about a lot. Uh, this it does not have any calling back explicitly to lines of dialogue from. Uh, well, there's one, but anyway, uh, there's no. I have a bad feeling about this. There's no right. that that sort of like getting to the point where it starts to lose it being special because it has to be in every episode kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Uh, so there's none of some of that stuff. And there's there. It's not like there hasn't been lots of action in previous episodes up to this point, but this one has so much action in such an atmosphere of dread. I feel like this is the episode that really points to where the clone wars is going to go in general. That has a ton of cool action, has people doing things with lightsabers that you haven't really seen on the big screen up to this point, And it has a little bit more of a, um, even though it is explicitly a show for kids of all ages, a little bit more scary adult atmosphere of dread throughout. You're absolutely right, especially following Bombad Jedi uh, in the Jar Jar of it all. But look, at, and that's why I'm, I'm glad you broke this up because it, it could count as an arc, a, a Gunray two-part episode arc here. They're entirely two different episodes. But yeah, you're right. I think that's one of the things that I can't turn away from from this episode. It is... Uh, I don't want to say template for everything that came before, because certainly some of the other stuff pops back up with the comedy and this and that. But yeah, if, again, watching this in order really highlights the switch and what they were doing before. Um, yeah. Yeah. And, and I think, and and that leads to what it shows me what the show could do going forward with exactly what you and I were talking and even a little bit struggling with up top of just like, Oh, you can really dig in. And there's some layers of uh, adult darkness. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Right. Yeah. And, yeah, and I know. Yeah. 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 I think it, it, the reason I'm interested in it strikes me is like I know that we have um, so many listeners who, who I appreciate educating me on what it is to grow up with the prequels or what it is to grow up uh, with the Clone Wars being your main Star Wars. But I will always have a little bit of the baggage of, you know, the perspective of my generation. And if I were going to try to convince somebody my age who really likes the original trilogy and has this laundry list of things they don't like about the prequel movies, if I sat them down and watched Bombad Jedi, even though I love Bombad Jedi, those people would go, it has all the stuff I don't like from the prequels. If I sat them down to watch the next episode, Cloak of Darkness, they'd go, oh, cool. This is a bunch of stuff I've always wanted to see in Star Wars. And that difference is from the perspective of of our generation is big. Mm -hmm. Uh, 100%. Very much so. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. Mm. Well, let's uh, let's dig into the episode itself then just a little bit more. What to you were the big themes? What ideas were at stake in the episode? Uh, what you were the way you were already framing it? I think we're in in agreement. So go for it. Yeah. So uh, the, some of the big themes for me, I got Unduli's instincts in the beginning, tying to what's uh, to come in this episode. As, but I also, I also look at it as, as well as the, the Clone Wars. So this is. You know, we got Yoda at the very end of the episode jumping to that, who's kind of mm, our, our enemies are all around us, and, <laughs> and so this is look at look what we got uh, the Jedi ignore their instincts, maybe maybe ignore their mandates, move away from what they are supposed to be, and and their hunches. Uh, every time Mace Windows like I sense a plot, everyone's like, man, eh, maybe we'll figure it out. Um, <laughs> Let's play this out. Let's spring that trap. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. And so you can see it in in a great Jedi, Luminar Unduli, great Jedi. Uh, great design. Uh, I love everything, uh, you know, the character design. I love everything about it. Uh, great lightsaber fight. We're absolutely going to, we're teasing, but we're going to keep talking about it. 
But look what look what's uh, pops up a few times for her. Our favorite little word here from Last Jedi, hubris. I mean, she's got a lot of it. Like, just her inability. Um, you know, her instinct might be, yeah, man, this uh, this assassin, something something's going on. This isn't a battle droid. And then you got Ahsoka, like you need help. And Unduli's reaction to that is like, no, 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 no. I got this. Don't worry about that. Uh, and it's a little hubris, and I like it. I like. I, I mean, I don't like. You know. Uh, I'm not rooting for hubris to show up. In it's like, uh, uh, we need that t-shirt too, by the way, just hubris, uh, in star Wars fun. Um, but you know, and so I looked at this and I was like, this is a big theme for the clone wars and it's kind of on display here on a micro level. So therefore you see how the Jedi slowly fell or the problems came with, from within. Yeah. Yeah. No, I think that's great. Um, the, the way I was thinking of that, this theme is, uh, following instincts versus knowing the rules. Um, Mm -hmm. and there's absolutely, uh, value to be had to knowing the rules, knowing the code, having expertise, uh, having knowledge that all kind of gets valued at different points in this episode, but also criticized, uh, Mm -hmm. in general, Ahsoka is more correct (laughs) by following her instincts, even though through this combination, they, uh, all work together to fail to actually protect, uh, uh, Newt Gunray or, Mm -hmm. or keep a hold on uh newt gunray uh but there's the that those bigger stakes of uh of luminara actually would have died had ahsoka not followed her instincts um so uh, just kind of breaking it down for me these moments i I like that ahsoka follows her instincts uh to terrify newt gunray uh but Mm -hmm. breaks jedi code and luminara expresses that at the admirable jedi code of you know uh terror is not a tool the jedi use um, mm. But Ahsoka, already from kind of just being around, I think, Anakin and even Rex, uh, who who isn't, aren't as tied up, like, she already knows from her limited experience, well, yeah, yeah, he cares about wealth, but if he, if he doesn't, if he isn't scared, you're going to do anything about it, playing logic games isn't going to get anywhere with him. Fear. My instinct is, if I scare the hell out of him, <laughs> uh, you know, and, and I really believe Ahsoka when she's like, oh, no, I would never do anything to him. You know, it's not like Anakin. She's not actually dancing on that desire to be like, well, I'd love to actually slit his throat. You know, she doesn't have that. Like, this guy's tried to kill my wife a thousand times. I want to chop his head off that Anakin yeah. does. You know, uh, it, mm-hmm. for her, it really is an act. She's following this instinct that he'll only actually give in to fear. And that's fascinating right away because it's like, yeah, it's breaking the Jedi code. And the Jedi code comes from an honorable place. But Ahsoka's probably right. He is about to actually start to uh, spill the Separatist tea. Well, well look, I, I, yeah, no, I love it. I, I love that you brought this moment up because she, Ahsoka, I, you're right. I, I'm with you, too. I, she, I believe her when she's like, no, 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 good cop, bad cop. Uh, but when she turns around and, and Dooley has given her the speech and Gunray's kind of like, all right, all right I'll talk. And Ahsoka kind of has her like, a, huh? right? <laughs> yeah, come I, on. Like, Take this as a reflection. You, you mentioned already learning stuff from Anakin, and we know what's to come. Not not at, not talking about even Revenge of the Sith, but in the rest of the Clone Wars, and you know the, the Rush Clovis thing that everyone always talks about. It you know that we love here at Force Center too. Like she's already seen this, and what a what a what a reflection back on Anakin, where she's like, "Oh, I've seen him do this." I mean, I don't believe in it. And Anakin's over here like, I'll kill him, I'll kill him, I'll kill him. <laughs> it's just like, oh, yeah, you even learn. Somehow you even learn more about Anakin from this moment, and he's not even here. Yeah, and I mean, I think even though Ahsoka has many moments where she's right, I think mm-hmm. the episode still does show her as having a lot to learn, and it's fun to think of that, of like, I've seen my master Anakin uh, play this trick where he scares the hell out of someone. <laughs> like, oh, Ahsoka, 
it's not a trick. <laughs> he <laughs> means it. I know you don't, but that's probably what you saw. But the, oh, oh boy. Uh, so she's got she's got room to grow still. Um, yeah, she still has to learn that uh, when a person shows you who they are, believe them. Lesson, <laughs> she's still got to learn that. Yeah, that. believe them the first seventy two times. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, and then following through it on, on kind of like I think the big hinge of the episode that you were talking about is you know Luminara facing Asajj alone. Um, yeah. Ahsoka, you know she's following her instincts uh, at one point, but right at the beginning of this. Uh, she tries to follow the other side of this paradigm of her knowledge, of her knowing the rules, her experience with that bog witch, <laughs> as mm-hmm. she calls Asajj, because that's coming from, well, she's already, she's seen her. She knows who she is. She knows that she is powerful in the force and she knows that she is uh, devious and kind of knows the ways of the Jedi and all these things. So uh, Ahsoka's really, it, it's not just like, I have a feeling and you're not listening to it, Master. Uh, mm-hmm. to Luminara, she's saying, I have actual knowledge that you don't about Asajj Ventress. Right. Uh, and then Luminara goes down there because uh, she's very confident. And I love it that it's explicit that Luminara thinks that she's got the drop on Asajj because Luminara has knowledge right. where she's like, I-, I know your moves. I recognize the training of Count Dooku. So great. Luminara has knowledge, but it still doesn't help her because mm-hmm. she doesn't fully understand her opponent she literally doesn't understand how devious uh asajj is uh you know with the bombs and with her general like fighting tactics that there's no honor to her fighting tactics with the you know, like immediately cutting open you know the vent and getting the steam in her eyes uh she actually doesn't quite she's just going down there and luminar is just going down there to stop asajj and she doesn't fully understand like that asajj what asajj's actual motivations on on the ship are like that she is kind of the distraction uh, so there's all of these things that Luminara doesn't understand yeah. and it ends up being like, like you were really saying this fight is a, just a mini version of the clone wars. Yeah. The Jedi are like, we know the Sith, we know Dooku, we know our opponent, we know the battle we're fighting and they just really, really don't. Their opponent is being even sneakier and has even different motivations than they think. And all of that is the whole story of the clone wars and it's what Luminar is falling into and would have been killed by unless Ahsoka followed her her literal instinct that I don't think she's going to be okay down there. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, no, yeah. Uh, knowledge versus wisdom, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. It's all back to Dex. All back, yeah. They only listen to Dexter Jetster. Yeah. Uh, so I, I loved how much you, you just teed it up so great uh, when we were talking about the um, the moral that it's not clear cut and it, it is this bounce back and forth between when instincts are valuable versus when knowledge is valuable. And that uh, it almost seems like the moral of the episode is you do need both. And, uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, Soka and Luminara could never get quite on the same page of balancing their, their instincts and their knowledge to actually achieve their goal of holding on to new gunray. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. I really love the, which uh, overall, but just the specific point of unduly kind of like, oh, I, oh, wait, you, you, I know you, you're trained by Dooku, and Evan just rolls out these great f- stats on the back of a baseball card that don't, <laughs> uh, don't uh, really, uh, uh, you know, cover what the what the player's capable of. Yeah, it's like cool that you know that it didn't didn't seem to help you in the fight at all. <laughs> right. Uh, what other themes did you uh, pick up on or enjoy? The yeah, one of the. Um, one of the things let's see, I wrote a couple of our guys things we already kind of covered in the in the morals. So let me flip that. Oh, the, uh, yeah, here the new gunray stuff. So 
the great line of Ahsoka said, you know, about wealth and power. And, and that's what he's here for and everything. Um, and just to take that, that theme, uh, a Lucas, a real, you know, a real Lucas theme of, you know, greed. Once you get a little wealth, once you get a little power, you, you want more. You don't want to hold on or you want to hold on to it. And what will you do to keep it there? And and to frame that as just, that's Gunray. Gunray's willing to go to war for those things. Mm-hmm. You know, he's so holding on to it. And and to take this, to tie it into Revenge of the Sith, when City has promised us peace, uh, something I reference a lot, I believe there's some of that uh, true truth in Gunray's heart, but this is just highlights what really was covering all of it, you know? Yeah. Uh, and, and what he was willing to do and as bumbling as he is, um, this is still what he wants and what, what is, and he's willing to kill for it. But then also um, the, the separatists overall, you know, uh, what, what it might've been. There, you can drill down and find some truth in there decisions to step away we we even in bombad uh jedi we we there's the republic padme's faced with some of the the harsh truths of maybe the mistakes the republic has made but you're not gonna you don't want to throw the republic out the window because of that and and so uh, gunray and the separatists uh, have sacrificed uh, a, a lot of uh, a lot of uh, morals <laughs> oh yeah to get here and it just really highlighted for me being like and you said it too with, with the writing He's fine. I even highlighted some of his moments later on that I think are just funny, but it, it shouldn't, it, it's all character revelations for him and the separatists. Yeah. I mean, it's funny in that way that, that satire is cathartic because it, yeah. it allows you to take a step back and see things for what they truly are. Like Gunray is clearly just a master of throwing up noise and distraction and, you know, getting you to fight about some pedantic point while ignoring the big obvious truth of like, you're a, a greedy bastard who has literally, you know, murdered people in your own pursuit of profit. And you're like, but, but subsection B says that I could blah, 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 and gets you all caught up in it. And then the truth of it is just, he's a war criminal. And his version of peace is, I get to continue to, you know, at best rip people off <laughs> yeah. to profit and nobody bothers me about it. That's his version of peace. That's what was promised to him, you know? Yeah. Yeah, and, and th- yeah. there's something about these lines that just kind of pulls back the kind of, yeah. you know, just just that picture of sort of like, I I am entitled to wealth. I am entitled to rip you off, and the bad yeah. things only happen when you try to stop me. Yes, and yeah, 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 uh, yeah. Exactly w- what you said there. Just him going. Can we go back to the old days where I just got away with it all? <laughs> uh, is is some sort of for, some uh, some form of peace for him? And 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 this just really again really highlights what George and the team were trying to say in the prequels. Uh, and so that's why I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Great stuff. Um, for me, I think another big theme is just the uh, apprentice. This episode could have been called apprentice test uh, because we really do get that idea of uh, Ahsoka is separated from Anakin. So she's following Luminera on Dooley, but she's kind of making her own uh, decisions. Uh, and Ahsoka really ends up uh proving herself through this mix of intuition and experience, you know, the actual mission of uh, hold on to Newt Gunray fails, but she does save the life of Luminara Unduli and is, you know, teaches Luminara her master lesson and, and Luminara is actually, uh, you know, humble about it, which is awesome and amazing. But then on the other side, the it's re- Saj doesn't just show up like that could just happen. And we'd be like, well, we can assume what happened, but we specifically have this scene where this, where Sidious is like, ah, eh, really your failure of an assassin, you're going to send her. 
And Dooku shows so much faith in her. And then once Sidious is off the hologram, literally calling her his apprentice, which, you know, has different context of that. I'm training you. So maybe <laughs> we can take out Sidious whole, you know, Sith rule of two thing. And this is really we've been watching episode after episode where, where Grievous fails and has to run away. Uh, and this is Asajj's big test of can she actually succeed? And she totally does. Uh, you know, yeah. she really proves herself the same way Ahsoka does. Of She plays on Luminara's overconfidence. We see Asajj's actual skills with the Force and uh, her being devious and clever and coming up with sneaky plans to disable the ship and distract and confuse everyone. Just to, If this episode is Apprentice Test, both Ahsoka and Asajj pass. <laughs> yeah, I, uh, I wrote down the, you know, here, Duke has some faith in Ventress, defends her against Sheev's lack of faith. The, uh, very clear scene. And then, and, and this is just another brick in the wall that's going to crumble around her. And it's a little moment. I, I, I love that you said that, that, hey, they, 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 she doesn't show up. They included this scene. They, it's, it's a little bit of, of building for this character. And, and the character gets so much better. And we, you know, we've talked about um, Katie Lucas coming in, just making this character even, even better than, than she was on paper. Yeah. So I love, I love that you said that. I think that is, a, it's not just this connection to, to some future uh, canon lore, but, it is uh it's another theme too of trust and and, and you know our guys has a line about uh you know trust us you can trust us commander <laughs> yeah uh, so it's playing on that too the instincts are in trust anyways yeah good stuff i like that a lot too awesome awesome so you, you touched on the greed thing is there other big themes uh that you feel like reflect the larger story or morality of per, or perspective of star wars like uh, talking about the individual ideas from this episode but how they kind of uh, reflect larger ideas in star wars uh, I mean, going back to the instinct theme, if that's the one of just uh, always, and you touched upon it just in a real world sense, but, you know, discerning between instincts and doubt or fear, but also how the end pointed, pointing it towards the end goal of the light is, mm. is the big lesson because our, um, our guy says the line later on about, it was uh, like, I told the Padawan sometimes being a good soldier means doing what you think is right. And like on paper, that's like, yeah, that's kind of what we want to believe in in Star Wars. But then you see where he ends it up, ends up going <laughs> with that, you know. Um, so that ties yeah. into Gunray, his version of peace, and all that kind of stuff. Yeah, that is 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 one of the big, big things for me that I always take away. You probably even more so now in the last year or so, of Star Wars of just like, you know, this is why I fight and get really grumpy against the idea of gray Jedi or necessary rage because um, I just don't think that's that's the point of any of this. Yeah. Yeah. And I think our is a great, the, the, he, he's this great confusion to this episode, uh, ultimately clarity, I think, but it sounds so much like he's supporting, uh, the moral at the beginning and supporting, you know, what we knew, what we know Ahsoka needs to do to be successful, uh, which is to sometimes question rules, question knowledge, follow your instincts, be an individual. And all of that sounds like fist pumping and good, but you can also look at it as that's, what Argaius is telling himself he's doing, yeah. uh, but what he's actually doing is uh, betraying and murdering people for profit, whereas the instinct that Ahsoka is following is, yeah, Newt Gunray might escape, but I need to save somebody, Luminara and Dolly, in Dooley's life. You know, so like, yeah, it, it sounds the same, but it absolutely is not. One is uh, for your own personal profit, and one is to save someone else. 
Yeah, and then what's you know I'm thinking Yoko. Uh, I almost said Yoko. We're doing a Beatles show here today. Yoda <laughs> and Dooku. Uh, that's that's Yoko. Yoku is the combination of those words. <laughs> Yoda and Dooku and Attack of the Clones, and you know what happens there. You know Yoda drops out of the fight to save you know Obi Wan and Anakin, uh, and that's kind of this theme. And here you got what you're saying with with Ahsoka. Uh, we, we didn't uh, get this technical victory, but we did something better. We saved, we saved a life important to us. That's clearly a star Wars theme all the way up to the sequel trilogy. So, yeah. It. Yeah. And now when we're done recording, I'm going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to look for a Yoku uh, fan fiction and see what's <laughs> out there. <laughs> uh, yeah. For myself, the kind of larger themes, you know, we, we covered a lot of the, the greed stuff. Um, but I, to me, it continues to be interesting how big of a priority that is. Uh, for Lucas, uh, Filoni, everybody in the Clone Wars team. Um, but yeah, that greed clearly motivates Gunray throughout. Uh, he thinks he can use that to control everyone, you know, trying to bribe uh, Commander Gree right away. Um, but it just, it's, it, I'm fascinated by how swiftly justice comes for greedy people in these early episodes. Because uh, we got knocked that Trandoshan, the farting Trandoshan was immediately <laughs> murdered by Grievous the second he asked for more money. Uh, and Captain Argaius, you know, mm-hmm. is this man? I mean, he, that that design, right? Of the, I'm super handsome and my hair is perfect. I'm great. I'm I'm a hero. And then he, tur- he turns out to be a greedy yeah. jerk and is immediately killed for it. How quickly yeah. uh, justice comes in the storytelling. I mean, it's not justice because it's other bad guys murdering them. But from the big picture, it's hard to ignore the moral of like, uh, this is where greed leads you, kids. Yeah, yeah. Look, karma. Little Star Wars karma. Little Star Wars karma. Uh, the only other big thing for me is we've already touched on is just really that idea that overconfidence, that knowledge is good, uh, mm-hmm. that mastery is good, but overconfidence is a weakness. You know, Luminara is really, I think, just being the the bus stop ad for Jedi too set in their ways, uh, too overconfident. And I think that's uh, a really interesting thing to to that they chose to highlight that uh, yeah. so early in the Clone Wars run. Totally. Yeah. No. I mean, look, already a lot here this episode that's just floating around and, and just going back to the, the point you made about this, the tone change in the series, not there wasn't serious stuff or big action and, and big questions before, but uh, they really start to deal with more in this series. And this is one of the episodes that spins it off. Yeah. Yeah. And it'll be fascinating to keep watching the, uh, the old tone report of clone wars as we go forward as well. Uh, but for now we're going to take a break and then we will be back to discuss all the fun details of action comedy and all sorts of other great details on the clone wars report. Force Center friends, make sure you're keeping up to date on all the great content from Jennifer Landa. Whether it's YouTube, Instagram, or TikTok, you whippersnappers, Force Center's own Jennifer Landa continues to bring you fun, informative, and insightful laughs and moments. 
Also, Jennifer brings her experience and perspective as a Star Wars-loving mother to her DIY projects, blogs, and more. So be sure to head on over to JennyLanda.com. That's J-E-N-I-L-A-N-D-A.com for articles like how to make your own Darth Maul sneakers or 10 unique Star Wars baby gift ideas. Follow Jen on Twitter and Instagram at JenniferLanda and on TikTok as JenniferLanda1138. Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com slash style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey. 
Hey, Four Center fans, don't forget Four Center is on YouTube. Head over there to catch up with our new show, Star Wars Show and Tell. Joseph, Jennifer, Ken, and special guests sit down and share favorite items from their own Star Wars memorabilia collections. Plus, there's the In Memoriam video series, encore presentations of Databank Brawl, and special programming all there for you and more shows on the way. It's Four Center on YouTube. Check it out. And we are back to finish our discussion of Cloak of Darkness. Uh, let's go into the darkness. Ken, uh, there's a lot of action, a lot of great action. Did you have some favorite action moments in this episode? I did, sir, on a simple level. I liked the juicer boarding ships, which is kind of what uh, uh, the production team kind of called them, the designs, when they just kind of boom, and then they drill down or poke down into the ship and open up and barf out a bunch of droids. I didn't like it. <laughs> Yeah, no, I, I would agree with you. That was my first one, too, of like, damn, that's so cool. There's, it's so terrifying to just have spaceships uh, that are basically uh, big, stabby space knives that have murder droids in them. <laughs> Who doesn't love big, stabby space knives, man? Um, so because of that, this is a, so I love um, this goes into Little Kenny, Little Kenny watching Star Wars in, in the 80s. Uh, I love this sequence after the juicer um, uh, ships do their job and, and, the, and, and then they call and send a team down there, right? Like, let's go down there. And it reminds me a lot of the blockade runner sequence. Mm-hmm. Uh, and as a kid, I got to tell you, that sequence is, is one of my favorites because it terrified me. Um, and maybe it's because looking into the face of the old guy, I thought was Han Solo's cousin as a kid. Um, <laughs> uh I, I, I just, I would, I could see their eyes and their fear. And so I'd always just play that out as like, that'd be horrible to be in. Like, I just couldn't do it. And I, I was, I was fascinated seven, eight, nine at that, at that scene. It just pulled me in. So when the, the click of the boots, the, the actors, mm-hmm. and then I'd, I'd also like analyze them. Like you're all, you're all standing wrong. Like you, you guys are using the guy in front of you to block blasters. Like what are you doing? <laughs> um, I just, I would replay. I just, I'm telling you, that was seven, eight, nine. I love that scene. And this one just has that feel to me. It has that we're being boarded. Go do your job, and then they get wiped out for it. And it's terrifying, and it's intimidating, and it's not Roger Roger B one battle droids blip, blip, blooping around just kind of blah, blah, trying to figure it out. Like, you know what I mean? Like it's mm-hmm. intimidating super battle droids and it doesn't go well. That's not even factoring in Ventress. So yeah. Yeah, I love that sequence. It really just connected back to that, the early days of watching star Wars. Yeah, no, I think you're picking up on something really good there. And I agree of that. There is the, you are made to feel fear that one look in a new hope where, uh, yes, the rebel, looks at the door and narrows his eyes like this isn't going to go well, but I have to do it anyway. Yeah. Uh, it is it, it really invites you into feeling that, that fear. Um, mm-hmm. And this does the same thing. One of my favorite uh, action beats right around there is, you know, the battle droid scene is, is horrific. Uh, but then when Asajj gets there, it's even worse. <laughs> and yeah. when we get to that, um, 
Asajj cam and we see like from her perspective is she rushes towards the trooper and the all units there's a bald and then the head gone that's that's man it's just so terrifying like to, to feel the speed of how fast she's coming and that's one of those moments of dialogue that pops for me of like just a little more specificity of there's a bald <laughs> yeah. you don't even know how he's going to finish that sentence like it was hard to even describe the absolute horror he saw uh, come running at him so it's yeah. it really makes you feel his terror and it makes Asajj feel unstoppable and that she's truly mm-hmm. just this angry whirling bald <laughs> vision of yeah. death that needs to prove herself Oh yeah, absolutely, and that yeah that that reminds me of, of Hoth with Imperial troops have entered the base, and you know it's a, that's that's a fun Star Wars fun uh, dark Star Wars tradition, I guess. Yeah, um, <laughs> yeah, no, and Asaz just Asaz showing up just makes it even more. And you're right, now she's just being put over as this 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 uh, uh, you know top dog to beat here, and uh, and it works, and it's all, and it's and it's yeah, it just it just really cut this level of of fear but duty. Uh, and I think that's part of Star Wars, part of part of the story, and I loved it. Anyways, yeah, yeah, I'm glad you liked that too. Yeah. So, what were your? Uh, you've mentioned the lightsaber battle. Uh, is, are there big moments or specific moments? What gra- grabbed you I, there? I just, I- over, yeah. Uh, overall, in terms of not even worrying yet about getting into the themes of the fight, which I do agree, every lightsaber fight should have something at play, something going on, something a battle between the combatant combatants that's more than just um the fight itself you know what i mean like i, mm-hmm. I love all that. i love i love that i love the felony speech about the little fates i really do but this one just in terms of a lightsaber fight the look the design of the background which i i dug in a little bit and and i had some that's familiar now it clicks yeah um that it is an ode to uh robotech the design of the ship mm. wells uh, inside of the, of the superdimensional fortress SDF one. And, uh, I love that. Obviously as a huge Robotech fan. So that kind of just the look of it, the feel, but the action, just a simple action. Uh, you know, I, I Obi-Wan mall two is my second favorite lightsaber fight when I rank things and it's two seconds long. And that's because it's about the themes, but I can't deny that seeing the pain off the, the kind of the, the thing that George always says about, uh, about the prequels, it's the Jedi at the height of their powers and, the, and their skills. And the fights are different because of that. It isn't raw, untrained Luke. It isn't um, Vader holding back at some point or Vader bored with even the fight. <laughs> <laughs> um, or it's not, you know, Alec Guinness, uh, you know, and and uh, trying to like, no, no, I can do this. I can stage fight still um, type of stuff. Um, yeah, doing proper fencing. Yeah. Yeah, 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 which he could. So different stuff. Anyway, so just on that level alone, I was watching this and just like, this is some epic fighting. Just in terms of Star Wars fighting, this is pretty yeah. epic. It doesn't get talked about a lot, and again, that's why I say underrated for unduly. I think a lot of us fans are very familiar, and I get that. Generally, fans wouldn't be. She hasn't really appeared in anything yet that you'd uh, you know know other than a voice, right? So, yeah. Anyways, that that that's what I feel about the fight. Just it is it's like it needs to be talked about more. Just in, of a good lightsaber fight. Yeah, no, I really agree. I think that is what part of what uh, sets this episode apart is it does have big, juicy ideas, but then just a lot of the actual screen time is just given over to cool and interesting action. It is supported by ideas, but you can also just enjoy it as action. I love Luminara cutting through the battle droids, and I am a sucker for any time any Jedi or Sith do a a behind-the-back move with the lightsaber, and I like that she takes the one out behind her, like, I know where you are. I love it always. 
you know, Asajj does endless kind of cool things with the way she whips out her lightsabers, the diving down uh, the elevator shaft. And, you know, she's often digging her lightsabers into things to, to slow herself down. But that's like one of those cool things that I think like, oh, wow, that's one of those like, oh, wow, we've never seen that on screen before kind of moments if you're watching this as it comes out. Um, and I do like that moment that it, that Ahsoka is uh, showing youthful uh, you know, bravado and is going to almost gets crushed by an elevator and <laughs> Luminary gets to be right in that moment. But yeah, then you, just once we get down there, it's so uh, traditional Star Wars. We're, we're down in the bowels. We're down in the machinery where uh, things you know actually happen where, you know, it's not the surface now. It's how things actually work. So there's something like both primal about that. And it's also just, Hey, if uh, people are going to sword fight, they should always be somewhere high where they might fall off. That's just tradition. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, that's just the best. Always, uh, you should always be able to fall off of a sword fight. Um, yes. But yeah, the, to see the the tactics, to see the the steam in the eye right away, and the uh, throwing mm. the pipes and uh, and Asajj's glee. I really love that moment. Once Ahsoka has joined too, and she is blocking both of them, and she's not scared. She's laughing, and that great contrast of uh, for the Jedi. This is something they have great mastery over, and this is a duty that they calmly perform. And sometimes that gives them an advantage in a fight, and sometimes the fact that the dark side loves a fight. They want to live in conflict constantly. It's not an unfortunate duty they must perform. They love it. It's what they want to be doing 24-7. And I think that moment where she's blocking both their blades and is just cackling, like, this is great. This it's is what great. I want to be doing always. Is uh, It really yeah. captures that contrast in the in what motivates the fights of the, the dark side and the light side. Uh, yeah, no, no, Nika Futterman's just so so great as, as uh, Ventress, uh, obviously. Um, yeah, yeah, I, I love, uh, you know, you because... Even in the beginning, it's, you know, uh, Ventress has got the, you know, she uh, duly takes some shots at her and just like, and it's just a great start to the fight. Would you say, I, I propose this, I'd love to hear your thoughts. On, is this a fight about knowledge versus wisdom? Ooh, yeah, I think so. I don't know. Yeah, I think this is, I think this is a uh, fight about knowledge versus lack of knowledge. <laughs> yes, there you go. Because Luminar does know some stuff, but it doesn't seem to help her because she doesn't know the other side of it. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it feels it's not said explicitly in the episode. So maybe it is a little bit of headcanon for me filling in. Like when she's got the great kind of Jedi line that I normally kind of, you know, pump my fist for of like knowledge is power, um, you know, and that's that's how Kenobi wins that final battle against Maul in Rebels. It's knowledge. Yep. It's true, deep knowledge of his opponent and therefore what his tactics are going to be. Um, yeah. and so when Luminara says like, I recognize your moves. You, you know, I recognize being trained by Count Dooku. It's like, oh, knowledge, mastery. But then she gets her butt absolutely handed to her. And I have to assume it's because she's expecting some sort of like Oxford rules of uh, <laughs> of lightsaber fighting that she's used to assassins who are really, she calls Asajj clumsy, but she's clearly not clumsy and untrained. Yeah. And she's used to either really clumsy assassins or dueling, you know, practice dueling with other Jedi who aren't doing things like suddenly retreating and throwing crap at you and mm-hmm. taking cheap shots at your eyes. And like, it feels to me like that's what's different is Ahsoka has knowledge of not only uh, Asajj's power, but her, you know, not at all uh, honorable way of fighting. And Luminar just can't adjust to that lack of honor in her fighting. Yeah. And, and going on something you kind of saying earlier, just 
Asajj knows deep down on the, on the, this fight isn't even the mission. And exactly. And so she's, it's almost like you get to like, I got nothing to lose. I'm playing with house money here. You guys think this is the epic fight to end all fights. And I'm just keeping here long enough. Maybe I, maybe I can kill you. Great. If not, we're going to get, we're going to get our little fish prize out of here. And we already got someone on the inside and boom. Uh, Yeah. So, so she has the the full picture. Yeah, yeah, she's planting bombs and waiting for a cell phone call from Argaius. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, and Luminara is like, we must have this noble confrontation between the light and the dark, and unfortunately, the light must extinguish the dark. And like, she's like, no, I'm, I'm planting bombs and waiting for my traitor to do his thing. Yeah, yeah. So again, it's, it's always, it's, it's, in general, yeah, like knowledge versus lack of knowledge. Yeah, in this particular one, yeah. Uh, maybe it is knowledge. Maybe you're right. Maybe it is knowledge versus wisdom of that. She's, she knows facts, but she cannot, that Luminar is not uh, using those facts to add up to the true picture. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. Yeah. Maybe. I think, I think Dexter was right, Ken. <laughs> I think it's coming out of that. Uh, for me, the last action moment uh, is I just really liked uh, the style of uh, Asajj's whole video game stealth level, you know? of mm-hmm. planting the bombs like and that's a it's a great part of her plot of like i'm going to uh, disable the ship um so you can't escape you can't you know yeah. do a lot of things we'll be able to you know i'm not she's not just going in there with the dark side and taking it by force she's being stealthy and i really like uh uh 327t and mm-hmm. it was t- i i love watching it i hate playing those levels in the video game and it totally felt like i could be playing this like oh when is his eyes going to sweep towards me i got to i have to plant 17 bombs and if the droids lights, I lights see me once, I have to start over. Uh, I hate playing those video game levels, but I love watching it because it just it has this great creepy vibe. I I bet at those levels too. Red Dead Redemption, uh, special Red Dead Red Dead Redemption Two has a lot of the. Uh, you have to wait for the guys to turn your back. I just charge in. You know, <laughs> I've said it before. I am, I am Leroy Jenkins. I I am that meme. And and uh, the, yeah, I feel you. I feel you <laughs> when you're talking about this level. But a great action level. You have any uh, any more action moments you want to discuss? Uh, I mean, no, no, no. That was the big one. With the light certified. There's a lot. There's a lot in here again. Uh, but it's all kind of the ships the uh, lead to the one sequence in the light saber fight. It's, it, it's a big sequence. It dominates the episode for, in, in the best way possible. So yeah, no, I'm good. Yeah, awesome. Well, let's move on to favorite moments of comedy or whimsy or weirdness. What do you have for that? So I. Uh, you really covered it well, and I and I, I put it down almost like an apology. Uh, I said I, I actually like the Ahsoka Bad Cop routine, but I love that you you know we we went into deeper into what it means. But there's something just I don't know. It's kind of endearing. It's why we all kind of like Ahsoka. Just her like, all right, what about this? <laughs> <laughs> it's kind of funny. Uh, she's smart about it. it again, I, I think it kind of works, and I love that we talked about it. But I just love that it's just kind of like. Oh, I've seen it. I can do that. Let me jump at you really fast. And that's what I'm supposed to do. And I'm supposed to threaten you. Um, and then I, 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 I love the, uh, the Rocarian dirt fish. Um, oh yeah. I'll gut you like a Rocarian dirt fish. Is that what it is? Yeah. And I went, in, I, I did do the look up on uh, Wikipedia cause it has a Canon and legends tab. That's almost cause you know, Clone Wars kind of at one point was on the outskirts there. Right. But it, obviously it's official, but, um, I love it. The description is just, uh, uh, it just is like, it is a type of fish that is often gutted. <laughs> so it's not, it hasn't popped up anywhere else. It's not a yeah. deep cut, a reference. It's just, that's the only point of reference of. I saw that's the legend what, tab. 
Yeah, and I was like, oh, did it become a Jedi too? <laughs> Every Legends tab. Um, but no, it was great. So anyways, I just love, I love that. It was, a, it was some whimsy, it was some whimsy in the darkness. Yeah, that's great. Yeah, the good cop, bad cop. I mean, I think that's just like, that's also just a great, uh, simple comedy setup knockdown of, you know, you, you need the straight line. So the curvy, wacky line of comedy pops and Luminara yeah. being like, oh, very calm of like, well, what about this logical problem with what you're saying? <laughs> and Ahsoka's like, I'll kill you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Great contrast there. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, go ahead. You, uh, you have more, right? Oh, I just have little lines that I liked. Um, I like with Palpatine, uh, I like when he's like, Gunray will not last under long under Jedi interrogation. Just He just knows who he's working with so well. And, oh, and yeah. He's in place. He's like, ah, well, yeah, right. he, uh, he's, he's a... He's a bumbling fool. Uh, and then I, uh, later on, I do like there's a gun. Right. I think he says it's adventurous. Open these doors. I'll buy you a planet. <laughs> <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, wanna, I would love to see that. I love to, you know, adventurous here. Here's, here's a planet. Enjoy it. Yeah. <laughs> and you, that you get that that works for him constantly. Right. Yeah. I mean, like yeah. from, uh, and he scales it up, right. Like I'll buy you an entire city block of motels and casinos. I'll buy you yes. a city. I'll buy you a planet. I'll buy you a system. Yeah. He's not like, I'll give you credits, which is what he said earlier. I'll buy you a ship. I'll buy you a planet. <laughs> he's got to up those stakes. That's great. Yeah. All of his yeah. lines are beautifully over the top and funny. Yeah. Um, anything else? Uh, I, I do like the line. If it isn't Skywalker's obnoxious, filthy little pet. Uh, you know, uh, good, good back and forth, good insults between the two. And it means a lot more with what happens between them later on and the connections and everything. But to see it in the early days, to see them uh, trading barbs, I do enjoy that. Yeah, yeah. And pretty amazing to see that they are, you know, it's not subtle that they are both the apprentices going through tests early on. And later they will bond over being uh, apprentices who have been thrown away. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, for me, uh, I really I th- think the comedy and the whimsy and the weirdness is I, I like some of the broad uh, comedy from the B1 uh, battle droids and just in general having some broader, sillier comedy in Star Wars. But I also like this comedy here that's a little bit more just like uh, it's shown us who the characters are in this kind of fun over the top mm-hmm. way. Um, so I, I like uh, when uh, the <clears throat> mm-hmm. uh, Treadwell droid, the uh, 3T7T specifies that their name is 3T7T. Yeah, and the clone says, "Okay, okay, three T seven T," and then the other clone uh, says, "You know, droids never like to be called by their nicknames." Uh, <laughs> I thought it was like a, a funny line since we've had so many episodes with the clones wrestling with uh, not wanting to be called by their numbers, but yeah. by their nicknames, and you know whether they're chosen or or given to them. I thought that was uh, was good. Totally. Uh, so many new Gunray lines, but I really like uh, the brief switcheroo where uh, Ahsoka is in the jail. He says, "Oh yes, yes, such delicious irony." Like. <laughs> <laughs> the delivery was just so like <laughs> villainous and over the top, you know, yeah. it's the line that could have been kind of flat and would have been like a kind of typical sort of like, ah, the tables have turned, haven't they, Mr. Bond? Kind of a standard bad guy line, but he delivers them in a deliciously over the top way. Mm-hmm. It was all, there's mm-hmm. almost like a little bit of triumph. <laughs> yeah. The insult comic dog in there. Like, <laughs> yes, yes. <laughs> Such delicious uh, irony. Yes. For Newt Gunray to poop on. Um, <laughs> Uh, and then the yeah, the last one that cracked me up is the uh, it, it, it we have so many noble clone lines uh, throughout the Clone Wars. I like it when Gree is saying, "You and I disagree on ma- what makes a good salt whack," and gets hit in the back of the head. Yes, yes, nice. Poor and uh, 
a little, maybe a little bit broad, but it works for me because it's good, good comedy contrast. Broad comedy is, is always appreciated as well as the subtle stuff. Yeah, yeah. Uh, any other thoughts on comedy before we move on? Uh, other than this is a great uh, Netflix special for Newt Gunray. He's just rocking and rolling <laughs> through this episode. Yeah, Newt Gunray's comedy special, I'll Buy You a Planet. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so let's talk about uh, connections to other canon or mm. lore in Star Wars. Uh, were there moments or big picture ideas that you felt just kind of connected to the canon? Well, big picture idea, you mentioned it, 327T. I mean, 327. Have we ever really figured out why George and everyone in Star Wars just put set number in everything? There is a uh, an old newspaper syndicated comic with a uh, spy that's number, I think, is 327, is I think the theory of where that all okay. flows from. Interesting. Okay, let's let's do that documentary series. <laughs> uh, I love that, yeah. And I, you know what? I love a Treadwell droid, you know? Yeah. Underrated droid in Star Wars. It was fun to get to see this one emote so much. I think that's why yeah. I liked the whole, uh, the being specific about its name and uh, mm-hmm. having the video game level with uh, Asajj because uh, you don't get to see those droids emote as much. Yeah. Um, mm. I liked the, uh, you know, earlier I was like, there's no direct callback lines. It's like, well, because mm. uh, I really like Ahsoka's line of we'll take her together. Um, oh yeah, that that's a you know it's not a direct just I'm it's not a cutesy quoting of right. the Obi Wan Anakin back and forth about Dooku will take her together. So I kind of liked uh, Ahsoka calling back to the whole you know we'll take him her them together uh, because it just sort of reinforces that that's a good Jedi principle of a uh, stronger together and and it, it is that moment where uh, Ahsoka and Luminara have been kind of at odds uh, trying to get on the same page and this is the moment where they actually are on the same page. And that, that was, it was a callback for me that worked because it had meaning behind it. It wasn't just like, Hey, it's a fun line. So it'll, uh, let's say it again. <laughs> not just, yeah, not just a reference, a, a, a template for success. If only Jedi would listen to each other. Yes, exactly. Uh, and then you touched on this, but I really was struck by it in terms of uh, connections to larger canon and star Wars storytelling. Uh, Yoda's uh, message at the end about being troubled that enemies are all around them, which it seems like he should be because they've already run into that a couple times. Uh, and I feel like it ties in directly to uh, the end of Attack of the Clones. We had a big discussion about why did Dooku say so much to Obi-Wan? And I think you and I both came down on the side of like, well, if Obi-Wan actually did go, hey, yeah, I'll join you and we'll destroy the Sith. That would have worked out for Dooku. But if everything played out exactly as it did and Obi-Wan just goes back to the Jedi Council with this information, it it spreads this uh, seed of doubt and distrust. And can we trust the information we have can we trust the person right next to it so i thought it was like a great uh both thematic and practical callback of the jedi value knowledge they value trust and respect and they're already in this war and the dark side is making things murky in there now they're really starting to that's starting to seep in of whether or not they can trust people and what i really liked about it is while yoda is on that hologram uh, just a few feet away on the bridge is commander gree who will soon, well, soon, who will eventually betray Yoda right next to him, and Yoda will cut his head off. That's right. There you go. It is around you, Yoda. It is. Just look. Yep. Revealed all around us, our enemies are poor, poor Yoda and poor Commander Gree. Yeah. yeah. Poor Gree. <laughs> uh, was there anything that you disliked or questioned in this episode of The Clone Wars? Uh. uh- I'm, I'm trying to think of the third option. Um, I have a thought. 
<laughs> my question or thoughts. So you mentioned it too. Um, not that he, not a villain of the week, but a lesson of the week with Argaius, right? And, and an instant karma is going to get you. Uh, uh, so I, I know the Argaius story is complete uh, here in terms of the big lessons. I, but I see, I saw potential in him. Uh, if it, if it was a character that had gone on, and if you could stretch that out, and I wonder if, yeah, you, he, he's like a Jamie Lannister. You know, it looks mm. just oh, you're the dashing hero, and he's not. Um, and it doesn't come from a pure pure point of evil. It points towards it. It ends up there, and that's the lesson he learns. And not saying, not justifying him, but you know, what I mean? when he has that great conversation with Gree, there's some like, okay, I maybe see where you're coming from. Uh, I could have this conversation, not over a fight, maybe over a beer. Um, so anyways, there's some with the character that I wonder if this, if he's introduced later on, is it an arc or does he, does he just show up? He's on the separatist side and he's just a character that fights on that side. And do you deal with what happened with him? I, I, it's not a earth shattering idea I'm having here. I just like, I look at this guy and I'm like, I wouldn't have minded him going on and him being there. And that, and there was something, he gets his comeuppance a little bit later or has a switch. Uh, I don't know. I, I'm, I'm thinking of Callus and Rebels. And I, and I think Callus is a better character and a better better human, I guess, at the end of the day. But did some pretty horrible things for the Empire. Mm-hmm. Um, you know what I mean? So I just looked at that and went, okay, yeah, I get it. Lesson of the week. He's gone. Lightsaber in the in the back. And I, I like that. But I could have seen something with him. I could have seen uh, uh, a, 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 a Republic commando, a Senate guard uh, joining up with uh, the separatists and all that. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I can go along with that uh, questioning because, yeah, there, there is, he does not feel like a one-off character. He, it's cool to spend quality time with a Senate commando and Ahsoka makes such a deal of like they are kind of this different level and there is that one point where he is kind of salty to uh, the clone. So you got that interesting storytelling that, you know, the uh, humans who are involved in the Republic uh, in security or the armed forces in any level or maybe looking down their noses at these new clones is great. So yeah, I could see a story where we follow him and, you know, Ahsoka encounters him again, or, you know, maybe this plot is something where he uh, helped Newt Gunray escape, but didn't get caught. And we know that Mm -hmm. this, you know, perfect looking dude, (laughs) the handsome, handsome guy and the great hair who looks down on all the clones. We, we all know that bastard's (laughs) truth, but the audience Mm -hmm. doesn't like, uh, I can see uh, that uh, dreaming of the what ifs for Argaius. Yeah, yeah, just some fun what ifs, and and those are good. And because yeah, there's a connection, and and uh, I was watching, I did watch a clip of Filoni specifically talking about the use of Senate commandos, um, and, and uh, it was kind of also a budget reason. Uh, interesting enough that they kind of that that's why he's wearing they're wearing clone armor essentially. Um, Painted blue. Yeah, paid on blue to save on cost in season one, particularly. But so fascinating stuff because that that factors into the decisions they have to make in, in stories. But um, that this was setting up the, the the prepping of the transition to the royal guards. That non clones were involved with this war uh, on on the republic side, and and that that, that those non clones did did have uh, some aspirations, and uh, that means they could be bought, and and all that could lead to them um, flipping sides, so to speak. And that this is a taking the, the Phantom Menace, you know, blue guards that we saw in the background and went, oh, that might be the red guards we see later. And really kind of playing with that. And so so there's a great, there's a great purpose of this character, but, uh, you know, uh, carry it on, carry it on. Yeah, yeah, great connections to canon too. Yeah, yeah. 
I think I didn't have anything that I disliked about this episode. I think kind of similar to you, not so much some what ifs, but maybe like, ooh, I'd take a little bit more. I like in the newsreel that they really emphasize that Rodia is remote. And that, that yeah. to me feels like the reason that there is only this one uh, Jedi cruiser tranquility and that, you know, through whatever shenanigans, that's why Ahsoka is separated from her master. But it seemed like there's a little bit of, you know, like, well, obviously we know the functional reason that Ahsoka isn't with Anakin. So we can see her paired with a, a different mm-hmm. Jedi. But like, I was always interested, like, how standard is that, that the Padawan is just off with a different master for some reason? Doesn't seem right. Yeah. I don't know. But it seems okay. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I assume a lot of it is, you know, for whatever reason they were separated and they, you know, and that they were all close to Rodia and that's who they got for right now because they did make a deal of it in the newsreel uh, yep. intro that Rodia is remote. Uh, yep. And then, of course, handing hand that baton to get Fisto for next episode. Is there anything that we haven't talked about that you wanted to touch on? Um, yeah, what? An, oh, my gosh. I apologize. I wrote a note. And then I don't, I didn't finish the sentence. <laughs> I just wrote Unduli and Ahsoka at the end, dot, dot, dot. So I'm trying that, to- Unduli uh, says to Ahsoka that, you know, Master Skywalker should be proud and that, you know, yeah. uh, Jedi Master can still learn things from uh, a Padawan. I loved it. And, ah, uh, yes. Thank you, sir. See, we're so in sync. We know what, you're, <laughs> what we're talking about. What I like about that is you talk about this is a Clone Wars episode that has really taken us, hey, this is what the series can be and will be at times going forward and, and a little bit bigger and uh, and bolder with, with what it's presenting to you. Uh, Ahsoka is, she is snips. She's all those things. This, uh, and she's done some great things and, and received some praise early on, to be clear. But for have uh, to have an outside Jedi, and it's not even like, you know, Plo Koon who, who was attached to her in a different way, but have an outside Jedi Kind of give her this kind of seal of approval and still a lot to learn um, for Ahsoka. But I, I like it. I like it for the character. I like I like for young 13, 14 year old Ahsoka, whatever, whatever she is, to really get this vote of confidence uh, beyond just you passed your exams. And it's not just pumping up ego, but just like, no, nah, you got something, kid, <laughs> you know, <laughs> get in the game. You're going to, you're going to win MVP one day or something like that. Uh, I, I don't know. I, I really liked it. I was kind of touched by it for the Ahsoka character. Yeah. Yeah. Cause this, uh, there's a lot of great things there. You're, you're right. Just building up Ahsoka in a good way of Anakin is kind to her about like when she's like, uh, you know, I'm sorry, new Gunray got away. And he's like, I'm sure you did your best. That's, you know, Anakin is being very nice and calm instead of like, you screwed up, get back here. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And then for Luminara, who is going to, um, uh, in this episode, is a symbol of overconfidence and is really checking herself and thanking Ahsoka. And then going all the way to season seven is going to be a symbol of Jedi failure to Ahsoka. You know, it's fascinating to set up that arc. Yeah. Um, For myself, uh, I I really like a line right around here. I like that Ahsoka says, I'm sorry that despicable wealth worm Gunray got away. Yeah. (laughs) Just like wealth worm. It's beautifully over the top and also just kind of surprising and weird. And then um, this is just kind of a fun actor episode. Uh, Obviously, Luminara continues, uh, but it's great that she is voiced by Olivia Dabo. Mm -hmm. And then uh, good old Argaius is voiced by James Marsters. He's done many things, but is, of course, uh, famous for being Spike on Buffy. So this is an episode of The Clone Years where I also got a little flavor of the Wonder Years in Buffy the Vampire Slayer. <laughs> you even said Clone Years. Yes. That's Did great. I say yeah. the Clone Years? Clone Years. Yeah. What would you do with the Jedi? <laughs> yeah. I love the Clone Years. Clone years. That, haven't you heard of that story? Yeah. Uh, yeah. No, the Wonder Years. 
Makes me think of the weird, uh, r- random pool of a Canadian show called The Best Years uh, around a character named Samantha Best. I watched a lot of weird shows in the 2000s. Uh, yes, yes. Um, <laughs> yeah, I love it. Yeah, yeah. Who does love a good Wonder Years reference? If only Dan Loria could uh, be in this episode. Yeah. <laughs> uh, as we're wrapping up here, we always like to talk action figures. If you could have a figure of any character from this episode, who would you want? Well, so, you know, action figure, if they haven't made in our guys, I would like it. I can't recall off the top of my head. Um, I don't know why. You know, just li- with lightsaber stab uh, stab wound in the back action. I don't know. That's dark, Ken. Um, but here's what I do want. I want a plush of a Rokarian dirt fish. Oh, do you want it gutted? <laughs> yes, with gutting action. Yes, yes. See, this is just a dark episode because uh, my answer was going to be very similar to yours. I want a two-pack of Asajj Ventress because I enjoyed her so much of this episode uh, with uh, dead Captain Argaeus. <laughs> See? <laughs> uh, a slightly light, more lighthearted note, I would also take uh, Luminara Unduli uh, with bloodshot, uh, blinky eye to just really remind myself of Jedi overconfidence. There you go. I'll take that too. A little less dark. Uh, next up, we're going to be discussing Layer of Grievous, Season 1, Episode 10. Can't wait to dig into the, that, that one next week. Ken, uh, for now, what should the moral of this episode of our podcast be? Uh, the moral of this uh, episode should be always uh, <laughs> always trust your instincts, um, but always have the knowledge that your equipment could fail at any time. I think that's that's very great. Uh, trust all your instincts, uh, except for your equipment and your greed. Besides that, trust yep. all of your instincts. Do you want to tell people where they can find us? Uh, you can find us in a lot of places, my friends, but go online at Twitter at Force Center Pod. Use the hashtag Force Center. Join the conversation. Uh, also, we're on uh, Instagram. We're on YouTube. Videos, uh, More videos being posted there. Uh, as time moves on and we are on uh, Facebook, if, if you still go to Facebook, like us at Facebook, uh, on Facebook at Force Center Podcast. Uh, we also are on uh, TeePublic, tpublic.com slash uh, user slash Force Center for merch to support the show there. Don't forget, you can also support us by going to audibletrial.com slash, uh, slash Force Center for your free audio book. And uh, we are also on Patreon at patreon.com slash center. Go support there if you so choose. But as always, a good way to support is listen and subscribe, like, share, review, and tell a friend about Force Center. We got our own things going on, uh, which I always say that, but I always sometimes sounds like it's just like, we got our own things going on. <laughs> um, for me, you can go to KenNapsack.com and right now go to the events tab and you can get a link to a live show. Mark Riley is doing the Riley's Cantina, his Star Wars show live uh, with the fine folks at Sean Healy Productions. And I'll be part of it. It's uh, going to be live at El Cid, but you don't have to go anywhere. You can watch from home. It's a virtual live kind of Star Wars comedy variety show, something different. We're still putting together and special guests, including uh, the one and only Joseph Scrimshaw with a special uh, comedy presentation or Star Wars presentation from the comfort of his own home, too. We are still living in weird times, but that is uh, on October 10th, 7 p.m. Pacific uh, live and live live. And you can watch it for a couple of days after if that's going to be, uh, you know, if you got to be out at night on a Saturday night or you're working or something like that. So go to catnapsack.com to the events tab. Uh, that's my stuff. What's your stuff? No, I got stuff too. Uh, yeah, <laughs> I love that you said that because uh, I think that is a good turn of phrase uh, and it's all about the delivery. 
we've got stuff going on too. Versus, we've got stuff going on too. Uh, you can find my stuff on Twitter and Instagram at Joseph Scrimshaw. And you can go to my website, josephscrimshaw.com for my other comedy podcast, uh, Obsessed, and for comedy albums. And if you are a fan of weird fantasy comedy, I am a writer for the Adult Swim show, Tigtone. The episode I scripted in the second season of Tigtone is airing midnight this Sunday on Adult Swim. So if you're interested, check that out. There will be links on my website. So for now, that is it for myself, for Ken, for that wealth worm, Newt Gunray. This has been the Clone Wars Report. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.